Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read just from verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank, God, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the, wor the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart, is in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayer at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may mutually, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated to both Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the, and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. One of the things that has, uh, what ha that happened this year in 2020, just observing, um, around me observing believers. One of the things that has, the thought that have, has come to me over and over is, what really matters? What's our focus? It seems like that was a question that in so many ways, many times I had to come back to. Um, what is a Christian? What's the focus of a Christian? What are the things, the principles that God um, wants us to focus on? And that has helped me navigate sort of a lot of fuzzy situation that have come up this year. And I think that going, um, going into next year, uh, that is also going to be important. Making sure that we as Christians do not lose our focus, that we do not lose uh, sight of the most important things in our faith. And I want to say this, especially for new believers. There's so, there, are so, there are many of them in the church. Many were, uh, we have several people who were baptized as, as well. Uh, some of them new believers. And I thank God for that. Uh, it's a, it was a blessing to be there, to see earlier uh, in the summer, see people, um, uh, getting baptized and just declaring a new life in Christ. And I, I want us to, and so, and I think in this passage here, Paul brings out a lot of things that are really fundamental to the Christian faith. 
The book of Romans, which I know the church went through uh, for a couple of years, is unlike any other book in the whole Bible. There's no other book that lays out the gospel or Christian, uh, the, the Christian faith as the book of Romans does. And it's interesting because in a way, in this first, um, in this introduction part here, in this introductory part that I just read, there's so much there that uh, kind of summarizes and captures a lot of the Christian life. So here, here's where I want to begin. So Paul is writing, he said to all in Rome, there were some Christians in Rome, um, a lot of whom it sounds like Paul knew because later in this book, he, he, he names names, he greets different people, uh, but he's never been to Rome yet, as you just read. He's expressing his desire to go there very soon, but he's never been to Rome yet. And so um, he, he's writing to them, hoping to go there one, one, uh, one day. And so here's what he says to them, to all in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be saints. All of you who are loved by God and called to be saints. The first thing that I want us to remember to the end, that I, I want us to keep in mind and take with us into the new year, we have to know that God loves you. We have to know that God loves us. We are loved by God. The first lie that the devil kind of came to in the Garden of Eden, when he approached Adam and Eve, the lie was to try to convince them that somehow God did not love them. He said to them, you know, uh, if, you, if you eat this fruit, you're going to gain something. God, God is trying to hide something from you. He, he, he knows that if you eat of it, you, you, you'll gain something. He, he wants, he's keeping good away. He's keeping something good away from you. You're missing out. And he told them, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. The devil was sowing a suspicion of God in the heart of man. And there is still today a suspicion of God in the hearts of people, even in the hearts of some believers. You know, there are, there are, like, there, there are children who, for whatever, some, some reason, sometimes grow suspicious of their parents. Not because the parents have done anything wrong, but just ideas start to get into their mind, into their head. Is my, my mom and my dad, is, are they really looking at me? Maybe someone watching today, that's you, that's been going through your mind. And the devil was trying, that's what he tried to do with Adam and Eve at the beginning. He sowed a suspicion of God in their heart. And you can summarize it in one sentence. He was trying to tell them that God does not love them. God loves us. And it is absolutely important and critical that we believe that. I believe that is the first thing that a Christian ought to learn. When a child is born, one of the first things they figure out at zero days old, just when they're born, they don't know how to read. They don't know how to count. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to sit. They don't know anything. But they figure out one thing. If I cry, 
somebody's going to come and figure out what I need. If I cry, some person, um, this man, that woman, this dad, whom later they figure out this is mom and that's dad, you know, uh, they figure out that if I cry, someone's going to show up and bring me milk. Someone's going to show up. They're going to change my diapers. Now, at that point uh, in the life of the child, the child is learning that there are people that love me. I'm in a family where people care about me. And that's extremely important. In the Christian life as well, when we begin our Christian lives, it's important for us to know for a certainty that God loves us. And like we were saying on Sunday at the first service, not only that he loves us, but he's working for our good. God is working for my good, for our good. There is no day when he's not. There's no day when God says, today I wonder how I can hurt him. I wonder how I can hurt her. God loves us. And, you know, the, and, and this is the, the, the thing. God loves us not because we did anything for him. He loves us because he has made us his children. He loves us because he has made us his children. Okay. In, um, in a natural family, the parents begin to love a child when? Before the child is even born, when the child is still in the womb. The parents begin to develop affection for that child. They begin to make plans for that child. And when the child is born, from that, from that day, the parents have love for the child. The child has not accomplished anything. He can't pay them. He can't do anything to them. Doesn't even smile on the first, on the first days of, of, of their lives. What they do is they eat, they sleep, and then they poop. That's the, the side. That's the side. They almost have nothing to offer to anybody. They have no accomplishments, but they are loved. In the same way, when we become Christians, we are born into the family of God. We're born again. God loves us. But what happens is that over time, something strange happens to believers where at first we were just uh, happy to be children of God. We were grateful that we're being saved from our sins and from our, uh, you know, our, our wasted years. We were, we were saved from our old ways of living and we're just happy to that we're children of God. But what often happens is that soon after that, we begin to say, well, now I got to do all these things in order for God to love me. And we get into this mode where we're trying to start to earn. We're trying to start to work, to work at it. We're trying to start to do things to please God. And we forget that's not how it began. That as Paul says later in the book of Romans, it is when we were yet sinners that Christ died for us when we were still enemies of God. He says, God proves his love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, not when we liked them, not when we started caring about them, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God proves his love for us. And that is absolutely essential to, be, to know that. It is critical. It is foundational. You have to believe that God loves you. And you say, well, what if I messed up? What if I did, I, I, I did, I did, uh, I disobeyed the Lord? Well, talk to parents who have rebellious children. The fact that their children are rebellious does not make, I don't know any godly parent who have a rebellious child and the rebellion of the child has taken the love away from their parent. That's not what, God loves us. And whether or not you and I are walking in obedience or not, God still loves us. And that has to be settled in my heart, has to be settled in your heart. There is nothing that you're going to do. There's nothing that you're going to try to work out that will make God love you more. And it's always interesting. Um, it's good to remind ourselves of that. How much, how much does God love you and me? He loves us as much as he loved Jesus Christ. That's how much the Father loves us. It says that in John, uh, it says that in John chapter 17. God, the Father, the Father loves us as much as he loved Jesus Christ. Now, if you can picture and imagine, how did the Father love Jesus Christ? He loved him a lot. There wasn't a day when Jesus needed something that the Father would not provide for him. There wasn't a day when the Father, uh, when Jesus was uh, coming to the Father, uh, and when the Father was not. Uh, delighted to see Jesus coming to him. God loves you and I as much as he loved his son, Jesus Christ. And focusing on that, there, focusing on, on, on that is also the fact that um, part of what has happened also in the Christian world is that we have elevated um, the idea of a servant of God. You know, we have elevated the idea of a servant of God to the point where um, we forget this one thing. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we shall be called children of God and that is why we and that is what we are let me read that again how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God the greatest thing that um, you can be called is to be called a child of God if you think of a king, you think of a, let's say you 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 think of a, of a let's say you think of a preacher, right? In the king in the in the church in the uh, in Christendom, we think, wow, look, this is the preacher, someone who comes and shares the word of God or who speaks. We say, wow, that's the servant of God. God must love him. Let me suggest this to you: 
You know what a preacher is? Or a prophet or whatever? They're God. They're a spokesman for God. They're a spokesman for God. Okay, so take the president of the United States. They have a spokesperson. But who's more, who's more important? The child of the president? Or the, the, the press secretary of the president? Who's more important in the kingdom? The, 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 the child of the king? Or the king's press secretary? The spokesperson? It's the child. And God has made us his children. Don't ever diminish yourself by trying to, to, to attain, well, I want to become the servant of God. No, the Father has shown us his great love in that we are called children of God. And he loves us from day one that we are born again as his children. There's nothing that we're going to do or to, um, uh, or to, 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 to perform. There's no performance that we will do that is going to change to, to, ever, to, to ever make him love us more. I heard um, a story about, about Steve Jobs. I didn't check this, but I've heard the story that uh, Steve Jobs, who's a famous um, founder of, of Apple uh, computers, and, you know, and uh, you, you have him to thank for iPhones and uh, iPads and all the, the rest of, uh, of those sorts of things. But there's a story that... Um, there was a restaurant that he used to go to, um, I think in the Bay Area in San Francisco. And the, the restaurant, it was a fancy restaurant. He used, he used to go there and the owner of the restaurant would um, later used to brag to people, you know, I, I had a restaurant and even Steve Jobs used to come there. And later to find out that... Um, this 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 restaurant owner had a child whom he didn't want whom he uh, who, who, whom he, he didn't he didn't he didn't raise and that child turned out to be Steve Jobs he was adopted Steve Jobs was adopted and uh, as was an adopted child and so his, his biological father when the child was still a baby did not value him. But now that he had become famous, he was willing to brag, oh, this guy comes to my restaurant. And meaning that when that child was just a baby and had no accomplishment, he was not of that great of value. But now that he had become a man and become, uh, uh, and become, and, and, uh, and had achieved things, this person was bragging, wow, this man was coming to my restaurant, not knowing that was his son at that time. And unfortunately, even among Christians, uh, there is that mentality. We value people after they've performed and after they've done certain things. And we even take that into the Christian, into the Christian world where we're like, you know, I'm going to accomplish things first. And then I'm going to be valued by God. I'm going to accomplish things first. And then I'm going to be valued by people. In the world, it's like that. You accomplish things, then people are going to start caring about you. 
But in the kingdom of God, no, God loves us. We are loved by God from day one. And that is something fundamental that you have to remember and that you have to remind yourself of if it's slipping away. You have to ask, well, and if you have any doubt that God loves you, go to the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to make that clear to you, and he will. Now, someone will say, well, Fred, if you talk like that, then um, people are going to live however they want. Well, not if they are reading the Bible carefully, because right after that it said, love by God and call to be saints. Right? That's the other part of it. We're loved by God, but that, that's, that, that's not the end. Sure, a child is born. The parents love the child. But the, 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 there are plans and purposes. That child ought to grow and begin to learn and begin to do things and grow. And so it, we are, God loves us. That's true. But we also have a calling that we've been called to. We are called to be saints. Now, um, I know in the Catholic Church there are saints, and not only in the Catholic Church, in other denominations as well. Um, we, you know, somebody they, they they you know after they die usually, and they have some criteria they grow through, and then they say, okay, when well, are we going to make that person a saint? We're going to proclaim them a saint. Okay, so here's the news for all of us: all of us are called to be saints. That's the calling that you have on your life. There's a calling on your life. It is a calling to be a saint. Uh, and, and notice this. It is a call to be something, not to do. It's a call to be. Um, it, is, uh, it, is, it, is, it is interesting that... Um, I think Pastor Stephen and I were talking about that the other day. In the Christian world, character has taken a second place to achievements and activities. People would often talk, this is a great speaker, this is a gifted musician, this is a gifted, but very rarely do people ask, well, what's his character? What is he like? We are first called to be. To be something. And that's something that we are called to be as saints, holy people. There's a calling on my life. There's a calling on your life to be saints. And so a person who says, well, God loves me, so now I'm going to live however I want, has missed out on what on the calling of their lives. They've missed out. We are called to be saints. And it doesn't matter, you know, you can say, well, I do this, I, I serve God, I read the Bible, I do all these other things. Uh, I, I'm, I preach the gospel here, I have this gift, I have this talent. But in the kingdom of God, character is primary. The greatest calling, please listen to this. The greatest calling that you and I have is not to be a preacher, not to be a prophet or prophetess. That's all good. They're preacher in the Bible. They're prophets in the New Testament. They're prophetesses in the New Testament. 
Um, it, it's not doing miracles. There are miracle workers in the New Testament. The primary calling that you and I have is the calling to be something. It's a calling to be saints. And so as we go into the new year, remember that. The most dangerous thing in the world, it's not coronavirus, it's sin. Sin is the most destructive thing that you and I could get into. And so we are loved by God, but we are called to be saints. Those are two sides of the $100 bill. Like I, I, I often say, you get a $100 bill, if one side of it looks good, but then you turn to the other side and it's Mickey Mouse. No one's going to take that, 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 that $100 bill. It's counterfeit. Or if on one side it looks good and on the other side is a hand-drawn soccer ball, it's not going to work. No one's going to accept that. Both sides have to be genuine. And so one side is loved by God. The other side is called to be saints. That's genuine Christianity. And what often happens is that people either focus on one or the other. They either either talk about the love of God, which then leads people to, and never speak of holiness. And then, and then that leads people to live louse, lousily and carelessly lives that dishonor the Lord while calling themselves Christians. And then the other side focus only on let's be holy, let's be saints without without mentioning the love of God. And that produces a lot of pharisaical uh, uh, people who have no joy, who have no sense of security in their faith, and both struggle. The truth is in both. We're loved by God, absolutely. Not based on anything we do, but we have a calling that we ought to respond to. And it is a great calling. This is God's goal for you and for I. Just like parents sometimes have goal for their children. They want their child to become a doctor or to become a, an engineer or a lawyer or a judge or why not a, 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 an artist. In the, in the same way, God has a calling for you and I as a father. That calling is for us to be holy. And I want to say this to you. You may be somebody, you look at yourself, you look at others, you know, others have great gifts and talent. This one can sing and that one can play this and this one can speak uh, eloquently. And, and, and you look at that and you're like, I uh, know where, where do I fit in all of this? Let me tell you something. Focus on one thing. You are, you are going to be the man, the woman God has called you to be in your character. You're gonna try. You're gonna walk the walk of the, the Christian walk with the goal of being like Christ. And let me tell you that if you do that, God will show you how He's going to use you in His body. So keep that in mind. There's something else to keep in mind this year. And continuing here, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord. Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Grace is God's God working in me 
to do what I can do on my own. So you ask, well, okay, God loves me, okay, and I'm called to be a saint. Wow, that's a that's a very tall order. That's a that's a, a pretty that's a that's a big calling. How am I going to fulfill that? Well, the the grace of God, the grace of God is what God does in us to give us everything that we need. When we need strength, God will give us the grace to be strong. When we need to to uh, to forgive people who have hurt us, God will give us the grace to be strong. Um, when we need to overcome temptation, God will give us the grace to overcome temptation. It is all a gift from the Lord. And the result of that is this, it's peace. If I know that God loves me, I know I have a calling to, be, to, be, to, to live a holy life. And I know God is going to work in me to produce that. The result of that is peace. And you see, and here it says uh, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just spend a minute on that, especially for anyone there who's a new believer. Um, God our Father and from the Lord Jesus. And that, this can be confusing because sometimes you see um, uh, 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 God the Father and sometimes you see Jesus and sometimes God the and there's this Lord, there's God, like, what, 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 is, what is all this? And, uh, and I think there, there's a book, uh, a book club, where uh, um, the, the book will be dealing with the Trinity. Um, Christians don't worship three gods. Um, we worship one God, but a God who reveals himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, especially when I've talked to Muslim friends of mine, I've found this to be a great point of misunderstanding. I've actually met people who think that when we say Jesus is the son of God, they think that God uh, got together with a woman and, and, and had a child. And, and that, that, that's not it at all. It's just that uh, God is one, but he reveals himself in three person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we call him God the Son because he came into the world as a son. When God decided to take on flesh and come into this world, he came as a son. If he had come as a general, would I call him the general of God? He came as a son, so we call him the son of God. And, 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 I, and I understand that um, that sounds confusing. And by the way, and, and, it, and, and, and uh, because... It doesn't, it doesn't fit the human logic. It doesn't fit the, how can someone be three and one? You know, I, I had um, um, some Jehovah Witnesses um, come to my, to my house. You know, dear people, they came to, to, to my house. And uh, it, it was actually interesting because they, they knocked on my door and I opened and they, they greeted me in French. I, I, I later asked them how they how how they, they, they knew and it was in, interesting to hear to hear the answer how they do. But in any case, there were three of them: um, a lady from Haiti and a gentleman, and then uh, and so someone else. And uh, we, we got into talking about this thing because they don't believe that they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, uh, and um, it, it, and and that's always one way that you can know if you ever want to know this is something. I learned in Sunday school, thanks to a lady named uh, Miss D uh, Diana, if you ever want to know uh, to catch uh, a, a, a heresy, 
of heresy, which according to the Bible is a false teaching, always ask, who is Jesus Christ to you? Who is Jesus Christ to you? People may agree on a whole lot of other things, but it's on this question, on this question that you, 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 you'll figure it out. Is it, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he God or not? Is he God who has never had, has no beginning and no end? And that's who Jesus is. So, and, and so I had this, 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 this group of Jehovah's Witnesses who came and um, they, they said to me, uh, one of the ladies said, said to me, um, she, um, she, she says, um, you know, um, this is, uh, if, if I, I am me, I cannot be her, pointing to a friend. And then if I'm her, if she's her, she cannot be me. And then she pointed um, to her skirt um, uh, and she said that, you know, this skirt can be 100% cotton and and a hundred percent polyester and and uh, and she it was and i and i say you know she says and i and i say to, to her um uh it it's it's because in jupe we're trying to say that because that's a skirt i told him that's a skirt and god is god that's a skirt and god god isn't a skirt and you can be her she can be that's because you're a human being God is not like you. It's not like a skirt, and he's not like you either. And I asked her because she was from Haiti. I said, "Can can you be in Can you be in Boston and be in Port-au-Prince at the same time?" She said, "No." I said, "But can God be in Boston and in Port-au-Prince at the same time?" Yes, God can be because He's different than me. I can only be in one place at a time. You see, I, I mean, I'm in Braintree right now. I can't be in Brighton at the same time. But God can. Nobody argues with that. It makes no sense logically. How can somebody be at the, 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 the two places at once? So imagine if I were to say to God, if I were to say to God, God, listen, stop being all over the place. If you're in this room, please get out of that other room. And God asks, why would I do that? And I say, well, so you can be like me. See how silly that sounds. I, mean, I can't try to make God be like me. God is the way he is. And we have to accept him the way he is. He's three in one. And, and, and I can say to him, no, God, that, that stop being three, three in one. That's too many in one. I, I like one in one. And God said, why should I do that? And I said, well, that's going to fit in my logic. You see, that's me trying to reduce God to fit into, into my logic. And I cannot do that. God is who he is. And we accept him the way he is. For me, I, I have no problem with that. If he decided to be 10 in one, I would have accepted him as 10 in one. And, and it, it's, it's, who he, it's who he is, and that's how he revealed himself. I don't get to tell him how he should be and in what form he should exist or in what form he should reveal himself. He should reveal himself to me. God is who he is. And in the past, I used to try to, you know, give all kinds of analogy for I don't do that anymore. I just, I, I've just accepted that. God is who he, God is who he, he, he is. And so grace and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's something else that uh, I, I, want, I want us to, um, some other advice that I, I want to share with us here as I begin to, to close here. Number one, Paul says, first, I thank my God. 
through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul was grateful for people. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He was grateful. And the greatest, it is important to remember this, the greatest blessing, and I'm going to come back to that again later in a second. The greatest blessing that you have in life is people. It's the people that God has given to you. The, the greatest blessing, it's not your house or your car. The greatest blessing in, in life that we have is people. The people that God put in your life, especially the people of faith. Listen to what um, Paul is saying. Why was he grateful? I thank God for you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul was grateful that these believers were walking in faith. Paul was grateful. And you see that pattern in a lot of his letters. You, you see that in, in 1 Thessalonians, which uh, most people believe was the first um, epistle that Paul wrote. He, Paul rarely thanks God for things. Often he's always thanking God. I thank God for you. And, and often it is he thanks God because of what people have been and how they're growing spiritually. Folks, the, the, the greatest blessing, we live in a society that has become so focused on things. And um, we were supposed to, you know, love people and use things. And more and more we've become a society that loves things and uses people. And as Christians, we got to bring that, we, we, we got to be different from the world uh, in that sense, Paul was grateful. Let me tell you, the, the greatest blessing I've had in my life is the people that God allowed me to cross paths with. Men and women of God, people around me who have taken care of me, who have helped me out, especially who have helped me out spiritually. God used them to build me into uh, a stronger a stronger Christian year after year after year, people I learned from. Those are the greatest blessings that you're ever going to have. It is people. And, um, and not only that, it's especially not just gratitude. Because as much as there has been lots of complaint this year, this year has brought, I'm hearing that people can't wait to have New Year's parties because they can't wait to put 2020 behind them. But, you know, for a Christian, we ought to look back and say, no, you know what? There are things for me to be grateful about. Let there be gratitudes on your lips. Let there be um, thanksgiving on your lips. Let there not be always, uh, 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 yes, there are things that we need. There are things that we're, we want the Lord to do for us. But let's not forget that there's a lot for us to be thankful for. There's a lot for us to be thankful about. Maintaining a heart of gratitude is going to help you out a lot in life, in the Christian life and in life in general. Maintaining an attitude of gratitude 
realizing that God has been good to you. You might have had problems. You might have had needs. You might have suffered losses. You might have faced difficulties. You might have lacked one thing or another. But the truth is also that God has been good to you. If you're there tonight and you're able to listen to me and to, to, to be part of this, that alone is a sign that God has been good to you. You're able to watch this. And that means you're healthy enough to be able to hear me. It means that you're living in a place where you have access to this. If you ate today, you had food to eat today, God gave you that. And if you have a place to live, God has given you that and your very breath. And if, and, and if anything else, thank God for Jesus Christ who went on the cross and he died for you. That's something we can thank God for every day. But it's not just gratitude, but this whole thing about faith, because your faith is being reported all over the world. It is interesting. This is also a recurring theme in Paul's letters. Whenever he was, he, he tried to summarize how well a church is doing, he would often say, your faith, your faith is growing. And in what has happened, especially this year, with the pandemic and all the fallout from it, it's revealed how strong or weak our faith were. The ability to say, no, I trust God. I believe in him. My confidence is in him. Look to God. You will not be disappointed. Be firm in your hope that Christ died for you. You have a home in heaven. God is faithful. He will take care of you today. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. That growing in faith was Paul's barometer to know how well people are doing in their walk with the Lord. It was their faith, not their knowledge. He didn't say, I thank God you guys have memorized. You guys are going to memorize my book, my, my letter here uh, of Romans. He says, I thank God you guys, you know, memorized Deuteronomy and, 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 and the whole thing, which the Pharisees did. They, they, by the time they were, I think, 16 or 12, one, they, they had memorized all of the law of Moses and they had knowledge. And, and, the, and, the, and the scriptures are important and memorizing the scriptures is absolutely important. And I thank God, I think it was a few weeks ago, there was a, a, a gathering where people uh, memorized scripture and recited them. It's excellent. But then let that scripture produce faith in you. It's solid faith in the Lord. As we go into this next year, grow in your faith. Believe God more. Let there be no doubt in your heart, in your mind, that God loves you, cares about you. Jesus loves you, went on the cross for you, died for you. He's working for your, for your, he was working for your good. He's out there preparing a place for you. He's going to be faithful to, to you and to me. That has to be part of our, that has to be part of it as we, as we go on. And during this season, the next thing I want to come, uh, I, I want to mention here is Paul says, um, verse nine, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness, 
how I, cons I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Part of Paul's life, one thing that was constant, it uses the word there, constant in his life, was that he prayed. He prayed. It is important for you and I to develop prayer lives. Now, I thank God one of the wonderful things that have happened this year is that there have been so many prayer meetings. There is a morning, twice in the morning. There is at noon, at 3 p.m. Uh, every day there's a there's prayer before uh, the church services on, uh, at 8.30, which, by the way, if you can make it, it you, you, you should. It's a great way to, to learn, come and learn to pray. It is, um, but what I, I, I want to say here is that notice that Paul does not say we here. He says, I remember you in my prayer constantly, constantly. It is important for you and I to develop prayer lives in your own time with the Lord. It does not matter how much, um, how many sermons you sit through. It doesn't matter how much activity you do. A life, a Christian who isn't praying is going to be weak. It's going to be weak. Because in prayer, it's not just about me talking to God, but it is just that interaction, just that being with the Lord alone, being in his presence alone. Something of God rubs off on you. Your vision of life and of the world changes. Because you've been in that presence of the Lord, you're talking to him, you're sharing with him, you're, you're bringing him into different aspects of your life. You're talking to him about others, you're bringing things to the Lord in prayer. Absolutely essential. I don't have time to get into the, the details of, you know, how to pray, how to build a prayer life, but I will just give this to, say this to you. Set a time that, you know, you're going to spend with the Lord in prayer, whether it be the morning before you go to work uh, or in, in, in the evening or whenever it is or during your lunch break, but you're going to have a consistent appointment with the Lord. And it doesn't have to be hours and hours. Even if, it, if you're just beginning, even if it's just 15 minutes, take that 15 minutes, begin by thanking God for how good he's been to you. And then spend another five minutes, tell him the needs that you have, the genuine needs that you have for that day. And take another five minutes and talk to God about the needs that other people have. Just beginning with that, just 15 minutes a day. Do you think that's not a lot of time? But you, you, will, you will be surprised what will happen to your life if you begin to that. Do that for three. If you never, if you don't have a prayer life, sorry, be, be, uh, be, begin there. With, and and after, just after three months, something in your life will be different. You come to God with a sincere heart in prayer, day after day after day after day after day, something is going to be transformed in your life. 
Take a time when there's no distraction. I'm talking about giving God, a re even if it's just 15 minutes, but a real 15 minutes where you take your phone and you put it on silent and you put it away and you turn off the television. If you're in a noisy place, put on some headphones and uh, put on some headphones to block out the noise or whatnot. If you're living in a noisy urban, and then just for just that time, talk to God. Tell him how grateful you are for what he's done for you. Uh, remember what he did for you last week or yesterday. Thank him for it. Then talk to him about your real needs. And it doesn't have to be, be real with the Lord about your prayers. Don't pray with, you know, some kind of highfalutin language. Uh, don't, don't pray with fancy words. Just talk to God sincerely. To, with, with, in, with your own words, express your needs to him, express your fears to him, express your frustrations to him. Talk to him like you want to talk to your heavenly father and then take time and pray for someone else. And Paul says here he was praying and he was praying for the Romans, the church in Rome, uh, mentioning them constantly in prayer. The last thing I want to mention here, um, on the next, uh, the, the next, the last thing, last two points. Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Verse 12, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other. And then he tells them how He's been trying to come to see them. You, you read that language there, uh, the, the, the language that Paul has here. I long to see you. I don't want you to be in, in, in the, in, uh, unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you. That is, that we, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other. There is... Uh, Something very precious here to understand. Paul is saying, it's not that I, it's not that I just want to come there and, and teach you guys or speak. He, he didn't have a, 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 some kind of a lust to, to go talk to people and be in front of people and teach them. That was not his heart. He said, I have a longing, a desire. To, to, to see you, because I value you. I value that pill. She said, I want to impart something in you. You guys are going to give me something. We're going to be mutually encouraged. That's what Paul is talking about. And um, I'll, I'll show you what happened. So you, remember, this is the letter to the Romans, right? So he's talking about him, his longing and his desire to go to Rome. So he eventually gets to Rome. Here's what happens. Here's what happens when Paul arrived in Rome. This is in Acts chapter 28. Um, I'm going to read from verse 14. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so... We came to Rome. This was after Paul was traveling. So uh, after the shipwreck, they, you know, after the winter was over, 
He says, so we, are, we came to Rome. Verse 15, the brothers there, meaning the brothers in Rome, to whom now Paul was, had been writing this letter before he went there, the brothers there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet, to meet us. The Forum of Appius was, is about 40 miles away from Rome. The three taverns is about 30 miles. So when the people heard, oh, Paul is coming, his ship is arriving, he's arriving in Rome. So these people started to travel 40 miles away. And then another group, 30 miles away, and others came from closer to see Paul. Here's what the Bible says. Um, at the sight of these men, I was reading this uh, uh, last week. It so blessed my heart to, to read this. It, it, said, it said, at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Just seeing these people, Paul the Apostle, just seeing his brothers who had come to see him, so touched him and so ministered to his heart that he lifted up his hands and lifted up his heart and he thanked God and he was encouraged. And it may not mean much to someone if you read that quickly, but think about that. This is the Apostle Paul. You, you mean, Paul, even after you saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, you had a vision of a light coming and surrounding you. You still needed some brothers in order for you to be encouraged. Paul says, yes, that's right. The vision on the road to Damascus was good, but I still need my brothers in order to be encouraged. You say, well, Paul, you, 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 you prayed for a dead person to, to, to rise. And the person rose. You mean after all those miracles, praying for a lame person to, to walk and all these miracles, casting out demons, you mean you needed some brothers in order for you to be a great God? Say, yes, the miracles were good that day, but today I need my brothers to be encouraged. And you say, well, Paul, after all these teachings and all these revelations and visions of the third heavens and all that, you, 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 the, the, these, just seeing these brothers mean that much to you? Paul says, yeah, the third heaven was good. I, 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 I was glad to see all those angels up there. But somehow that, that uh, today I need my brothers. And you see, that, that's a, a, com a common uh, mistake that we make is that Paul was not, it, 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 the spiritual experiences don't turn us into supermen and superwomen. Spiritual experiences, visions, and revelation, and all that. So, so don't, don't turn us into supermen. We're still one piece of the body. Okay? And in case you're listening to me, you think you're all that, or you, you, you have achieved the place. Let me tell you, just one part of the... I'm just one part of the body. I still need the rest of the body to function at the sight of these men. Paul thanked God. I remember going to, to Italy, uh, my second trip there in the north. And um, 
I was in a place that was not a small town uh, up up in up in the north, and um, I I had been there for 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 some for some day. I'd been traveling. I was first uh, in in Africa and 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 then um, in one country there for a conference, and then I, I was in in Italy there with uh, some folks that I know, and um, and I was just desiring fellowship. And it was the Sunday was coming. It's a very Catholic country, but I, I was looking for a, a church of born, you know, a church of born again folks, and uh, that, that I, I could, uh, you know, um, uh, fellowship with. And I found a church online, and on Sunday we went there. And I remember uh, walking in the building. They met on the second floor of a building. And I just remember the sound of hearing them sing. And there was a feeling in my heart that, yes, I found my people. These are, they were singing a song. I don't remember the, what was the song that they were singing. It, it, it might have been, um, it, it, it might have been, You Deserve the Glory. And they were singing it in Italian. And I heard that. And, and I remember I started going up the steps faster to get there. And I, we entered the, the, the meeting and, and it was like, feeling at home that could tell these are real believers with the same spirit. And it was a blessing. I was encouraged by them. And, and actually what, what ended up happening, um, they had just lost, um, it turned out they had just lost um, a minister, uh, someone who had been a leader who had been part of that church. And the church was a, a little, was a bit grieving still the loss and I remember when I was there after the announcements were done, the, the senior pastor pointed and said, hey, you, to me, you, you come up here. You're going to teach today. And uh, to talk about a sermon that you've had zero minute to prepare for. And so I went up there, ministered to them. The person I was with translated to Italian. I spoke in English and she translated to Italian. And I, and I and I and I've never and these people they never I never seen them before that and I've never seen them since then. They never laid eyes on me before then and I and then they never have since since then either. But I was able to they encouraged me. It was a blessing for me just to be there. And by the grace of God, I was able to uh, encourage them in their time of grief as a church. That's the body of Christ. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God. There are no supermen in the New Testament, and there are no lone rangers either. All of us are supposed to be in the Bible. That's why Jesus sent them two by two. Going into this year, value fellowship. Value um, fellowship with your brothers. Value fellowship with your sisters uh, in the Lord. Even with the pandemic, people being far apart, call someone, be on a Zoom meeting, join the, uh, the, the church meeting. Uh, if you can come in person, do so. If you cannot because you're sick or you have, um, you have some pre-existing conditions or, 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 or you're not feeling well, okay, you join virtually. But value the body of Christ. This was Paul meeting some people whom he had more knowledge than these people, these brothers. He had more revelation than them. He had suffered more than them. He knew God better than them. Oh, but at the sight of those men, 
Paul thanked God and Paul was encouraged. And so I, I, I ask you to value that, value the fellowship, value your brothers and your sisters um, who will encourage you to walk in the Lord. And here's the last thing. The last thing that I want to mention here is this. Paul said, I am obligated to the Greeks, to the non-Greeks, both to the wise, to the foolish. That is why I'm also eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The last thing that I want to say is this. Paul uses the word obligation. I am obligated. I've talked about the fact that we are called to be saints. That is what we are called to be. But there is also something that we are called to do. There's something we owe to the world. We owe the world the gospel. You and I as Christians, as believers, we owe God something. We, we owe the world something that God wants to give to them. We owe them the gospel. Do not be ashamed of sharing the gospel and telling people that you are a Christian. Christians who don't share the gospel, who never talk to anybody about their, their faith, they end up rotting spiritually. One of the ways you make sure that the life of God continues to flourish even in you is that you have to give. You received the gospel. Someone shared it with you. You ought to pass it on to others. We're living in a society right now, especially in a place like where we live here, where the gospel is not very popular. And um, people are, will be willing to hear about anything, but you mentioned the name of Jesus. It starts to rattle people. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And it's going to get worse as more and more people who do not love God gain more power in our country here. There is going to be more and more pressure against Christians. But you cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Somebody asks you, how was your Sunday? Don't tell them, oh, yeah, I, 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 I met up with some of my friends and, and then skip the fact that you went to church. No, tell them on Sunday, I went to church. I worshiped God. I had a blessed time. And here's what we talked about at church. And here's how that means in my life. If you don't know what to share, I've said this before, just share your story, your testimony. Tell people I was lost. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Oh, I was proud and arrogant. I thought that was all that. One day God came, opened my eyes. I realized that Jesus died for me, that God loved me. I surrendered. I believed in him. I turned away and I let everybody know about it. I went out and got baptized. I joined the church. I started to serve. My life's been different. Tell people about it. Do not be ashamed. There is a pressure in our society to make you ashamed of the gospel. People aren't ashamed to say they went to the club. They aren't ashamed to say that they were, they were out there fornicating or doing that. No one's ashamed of those sort of things. 
but somehow there's a pressure to be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be. And don't be afraid you're going to lose friends and things I know. And I'm not saying be obnoxious about it. But be real with folks. Let people know. As they see you walking with the Lord in love, demonstrating the character of Christ, as God opens the door, share the gospel with people. So God loves us. We begin with our foundation. We are called to be something, to be people who look like Christ, act like Christ. And let us be people of gratitude going into this year. Value our faith. Grow in prayer. Value fellowship. Share the gospel with those around us.